This episode of Les King Podcast is brought to you by sexy Russian secret agents. In Russia, spy sex you. Welcome to another episode of the Last King Podcast. There you go. <laughs> and uh, yes, as you can tell, we're going to be talking about a very certain sexy Russian agent. Uh, uh, yes, we're going to be talking about the Scarlett Johansson movie, uh, Black Widow, the film. No, yeah. we're not talking about Black Widow, the film. It's not coming out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, what we, we thought was going to be Black Widow, but it uh, turns out to... Um, yeah. No, no. It's a bit too serious for that. Anyway, um, yes, there you go. we should introduce ourselves. I am um, top secret agent, uh, red eccentric Tom. I am Evil Falcon, Mr. Toffee. Evil I can't Falcon? Think, I don't know, I'm, I was thinking of a colour to put in, I realised... Red, uh, red. <laughs> I was going to say Golden Falcon, but... Nah, red, red comrade, how dare you? What's wrong with Golden? Golden is good. Golden is the... Gold is sign of capitalism. It is wealth. Oh, yeah, good point. We are not yes. wealth, we share all our bread. And I am <laughs> Deputy Director, Shafiq. <laughs> We're gonna go full Russian here, okay? We got one white Russian, one brown Russian, and a yellow Russian. So uh, What's a Russian along. Russian? <laughs> what? what? What would you use to make a yellow Russian? <coughs> Durian juice, mango jelly, whiskey, <laughs> whiskey. <laughs> whiskey and vodka. Whiskey and vodka. Oh you are God, definitely from Malaysia, sir. For <laughs> <laughs> when you definitely don't want to remember your evening. Yes. Okay. So anyway, we will with two films actually that came out uh, on the same day, on the first of March, here yeah. in Singapore. We've got uh, not only the Jennifer Lawrence vehicle, uh, Red Sparrow, fresh off the success of what did she do previously? What did she do? Uh, no, what she, do? she did Mother, which wasn't... Mother! <laughs> mother! Because I'm mil- a film I want to forget. Okay, but... Uh, and then Passengers, which is also not good. Oh, the one with Chris Pratt, right? Yeah. Where, like, he apparently is an asshole who decided to wake up somebody. Yeah, basically <laughs> he said... lonely, right? I'm alone, let me wake up this poor woman and lie to her. The hottest <laughs> one, too. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, we're also going to be talking about uh, another remake, uh, an adaptation, a reboot. Uh, not based on the book... But based on the film from the 1970s, we're of course talking about the Bruce Death Willis wish. vehicle, Death Wish, and I wish this movie had. A <laughs> but we're jump- we were getting it out ourselves. But uh, before yeah. we start with these two films, yes. How was your progress in Metal Gear Survive ever since the Oh last yeah, can you promised us a final review. Well, here's the yes. final review. I'm 25 hours in. I fought only one boss. I managed to start growing onions next to my potatoes. I have a <laughs> way of reclaiming water now, finally. <gasps> and wow, it's like, you know, civilization. I don't need to go out there and, uh, you know, with the hot, with the hanging pot and make uh, clean water from dirty water. But was it a big boss? Uh, no. Oh, it's Jesus. Right. It's okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's the first king of many kings. Uh, but I would say this. Uh, uh, 25 hours in uh, and with a $30 uh, price point, I still say quite worth your money if you have nothing else to play. If you are kind of at odds about getting Kingdom Come Deliverance, True. and you need something mm. right now before like the crazy, probably the E3 season, which is going to be in June, July. You yeah, can buy Solaris and then get the latest yeah. DLC. Yeah. And, <laughs> and there's like, actually more stuff coming out next month. Yeah, next month yeah, yeah. too. And the end of this month as well. Oh yeah, Far Cry's coming out yeah. this month. There you go. So like, you know, if you need something to kind of like slake your thirst for some long-winded in the middle of nowhere uh, wastelands game, I still kind of recommend you go and give Metal Gear Survive a try. Okay. By no means game of the year. I oh, mean, right. it's it's a solid C+. I mean, 
And the thing is, there are many games out there who does it better. Yeah. But also at the same time, it's like I'm just literally having a lot of fun. Okay. That's and fair. based on the amount of fun I'm having, and you know, and how strict I am usually with games, right? Yeah. It's like I would say this: uh, if you want to play a Metal Gear game, look elsewhere. This is mm. not what you want. This yeah. is more like a Metal Gear game that suppose. Just taking my name itself, but it's a yeah, it's like survival game, like a Revengeance. If you wanted to play Revengeance, and you wanted to sneak around, you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're getting yourself into. I mean, like, if you like survival games and not survival horror, I mean, literally, like you gotta plan your food and your water and like distribution of all these resources. I mean, yeah, there's definitely. I mean, it's a strong game that does what it does well at its core. But so it's pretty much like all those zombie games which came out like in 2012. Yeah, like Dust like and the Rust and, and Daisies. Yeah, I mean those games. I mean, it's a well polished. This is what a big studio version of that looks like. Fair enough. And you and you notice the the polish. So yeah, yeah I would say, uh, try it. If you don't want to buy it, I don't know. Uh, I I totally recommend illegally downloading it. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, if if you really want to spite Konami, go ahead. So uh, you know, we're never getting that Konami money. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we'll ever get Konami money. Yeah. Unless of course we start uh, advertising pachinko machines. Like even <laughs> Konami doesn't get Konami PS. money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, winning eleven. If we start advertising for that. What winning eleven? I mean, if we want to, which yeah, we probably won't. No, it's all right. We'll avoid all the sports games. I avoid sports in real life, sirs. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> speaking of a game that was remade and came out on the computers and uh, nobody saw coming, we all want to talk about Chrono Trigger. Yeah, oh. what was up? Okay, apparently Square Enix announced a PC version of Chrono Trigger. That's the good news. And the bad news is, it's actually a port of the iOS slash Android version. Should we version also mention like the Chrono liability Trigger. of like uh, false advertising when they say it's remastered graphics? Oh my god, they actually say that. <laughs> I did not actually see the actual copy of the ad. I thought, oh, it's out on PC. Oh, apparently it's a port of the mobile game. They did this for Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy V, the ports. And uh-huh. they seem to be getting away with it somehow. Well, it's because really people are idiots and they'll buy anything that Square Enix puts out because yeah. it scratches the Final Fantasy itch. Or even the Chrono Trigger itch. Yeah. Of which there are only two games I actually to think of. There's yeah. this and Chrono Cross. But I also want to say one thing, right? Remember last week when I made this kind of a small snarky statement that you shouldn't trust Steam reviews? Yeah. For Chrono Trigger, please trust the Steam reviews. Oh, yeah? All the fans are all out. All negative. And right? they're all mostly negative. It's mm-hmm. like, wow, it's a sea of red thumbs downs. Mm-hmm. And uh, the number one complaint basically is everybody is kind of... They, they just feel ripped off because it's not a true remaster. It's a shitty port. And it's... a uh, somehow super clunky because it retains the weird uh, user interface of the mobile port so it is like the laziest of lazy mobile ports yeah and the thing is like the thing is we can do this way better on an emulator yeah emulators have done a better job Uh, wow it's like what 10 bucks 20 bucks 20 bucks right yeah fuck that you can probably buy it on iOS uh, store for what if it's the same price as the FS6 "Quote unquote remastered," and yes, it's probably around the same price. No, but it's not worth your money at all because this is a shit port, and no. the thing is, everybody is like coming down really hard on this. And okay, as me and Mr. Toffee here being nostalgia f- fans of the original Chrono Trigger, right? Definitely not worth your money. Please avoid at all costs. At least if you want your Chrono Trigger fix, just get an emulator out. Just get the ROM if you can. Or get it on your phone, you know. Right. Uh, I kind of prefer the Super Nintendo and the DS version. Because the thing honest. is, yeah, that mean even the DS version or is it the PS One version? They removed some cutscenes, right? PS One version, they added cutscenes. They added cutscenes, which nobody cared. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, and then there's low time for a CD-based game yeah. because yeah, technology of the nineties. 
The DS version is probably the that the other version you might want to check out because no load time, all the cutscenes in, and some extra dungeons. You but can if go you're through. curious, the SNES version is still the still is. the best yeah. version okay. of this game. And the thing is, I know, I mean, especially you, Mr. Toffee, you'll have a lot to say about the fact that they fucked with the music on this, right? <laughs> that one I'm not sure though. I didn't actually. Really? I only saw the trailer for that and then I just saw the because a lot of people are kind of com- I mean like I'm, I'm basing my opinions on the Steam reviews and the thing is I kind of trust like what these guys are saying because this yeah. sounds like the kind of bullshit that Square Enix is going to pull off uh, well a lot of people are complaining about the, re- the, the remixed music and how it just doesn't make sense anymore ooh okay I gotta check and this it off and it totally man. kills the mood of certain scenes and oh, yeah. like, that totally makes sense to me uh, well. Oh, and I think the reason why also people are also kind of hurt by this was because they expected a remaster like the Secret of Mana remaster that came out a few Which weeks ago. Which everybody's kind of upset with also. I'm also very upset with that. Oh. Like, because the graphics were like... Not just that. What? The feel and everything from Secret of Mana where the attacks and everything made sense. Here it just feels like every generic action RPG in 3D that you can think of. Mm. It feels regular. If that's the proper word to use, like this doesn't feel like unique, and doesn't feel like there's some weight you put in your attacks. I aren't too sure that's what it, that's what the original game was like, and it's it just was that, like that in the original. Game. So you're complaining that a game made in the past doesn't live up. That is actually better than the remastered. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the thing about Chrono Trigger, I haven't played it, but I've seen like the most of the complaints is like because it uses the mobile interface. Which yeah. doesn't make yeah. sense because it's like. Well, it makes sense because you know it's very cheap to just you know get the data and just transfer it onto a different. But then uh, again, platform. like 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 I said, if you have an emulated version, okay, I know we're not supposed to be promoting piracy, but please, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want to play the true version of this game. Uh, but if an emulator can figure out how to map your D-pad to WASD, yeah, and you can't do that on a port, like come on. And I mean, okay, I mean, I don't want to complain too much about Chrono Trigger because the thing is. The travesty is this is one of the greatest RPGs, JRPGs ever. 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 Top three, notwithstanding. Like, definitely. And then, like, I would say this is right. The insincere cash grab this is. It's like, like they're not respecting their property that put them on the map. But this is Square exactly. Enix. Like they've never respected their own property. Like the way they've shot all over every Final Fantasy remake and remaster. It just shows. And the PC ports too. Yeah, they don't give a fuck because you know they're more concerned about making the PS4 version look as pretty as possible. Yeah, and that's really sad because it was a nice time back in the nineties. I mean, like Square's, Square's, Square's soft. Square's Square soft. Square soft. Square soft was like yeah. I mean, oof. but. I mean, if you want to complain about Square Enix, that Tomb Raider movie is coming out next week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that, they're kind of behind that, too. That's going to be... Interesting. Atrocious. I don't know. I mean, who, who's the lead actress? Uh, Vikander? Al- Alicia... Is it Alicia or Alexandra Vikander? Ale- uh, Alicia Vikander. Alicia Vikander. Who was the robot in Ex Machina. Right? Yeah, and she was the wife in Danish Girl. Mm. Like the only Oscar reading... yeah. winner. <laughs> yeah, she won an Oscar for that. There you go. Damn. <laughs> Oscar Award winner uh, Lara Croft. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I think that was the first complaint all the fanboys are gonna have about the Tomb Raider movie. What? Boobs not pointy enough. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they're also gonna complain. No dinosaurs. No dinosaurs. You don't shoot random dogs <laughs> for the first two stages. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But they're basically remaking. They're making the movie version of the remake that came out in 2013. 2013. Yeah. yeah. The 2013. Which is a good. That was a really good game. It was good. It was good. Uh, the sequel and eh, also good. Well, <laughs> oh, the sequel was fine, but. It's just retreading what the first one did. Yeah, it's like it didn't take any ball steps in terms of mechanics or in story or in anything. They added multiplayer. Yeah. Like they added more multiplayer. Right? Yeah. I think instead of samurais, you fought at the end. You fought holy knights. If I you fought it. Byzantine, Byzantine. Uh, Byzantine lords. 
Like, that was a really weird uh, choice. Like, oh, let's explore Byzantine history. Why? Because... Raiding tombs. Yes. Because, <laughs> because, you know, we want to do Roman shit, but that's been overplayed. So let's do new Neo-Roman shit. Yeah, then we'll do the uh, the Ovaltine Warriors and then the <laughs> Mangosteen Warriors. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> uh, here's my history card, boys and girls. But anyway, okay, so um, that is the opening ramble. Shall we go straight into uh, things that wish for death? Or yeah. The, the, the wish of death. The death wishes. The death wish. So. Yeah, speaking of movies that make me want to kill myself. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll be asking the questions here. So. Tell me what Death Wish is about. So if you remember the 1974 film starring Charles Bronson, Death Wish, uh, nah, you're not going to have as much fun. <laughs> and in fact, if you remember Eli Roth from back in the day, you're not going to have as much fun. Is, now, if you are like me and you don't remember something which came out uh, almost 20 years before you were born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> almost 20 years before you were born. <laughs> yeah, 1974, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> Finally, we have a movie in common. <laughs> we have a movie we both weren't alive to witness or premiere. <laughs> That must feel so nice for once. But then again, Charles Bronson is an ancient motherfucker. <laughs> and he's, yeah. you know, if I recall, he did four of these films, right? Death there were Wish. four. I think I, I've counted up to four. The first one directed by a British man, Michael Winner. Known, oh, yeah. Known asshole. Very famous. <laughs> very famous asshole. <laughs> very famous asshole. Uh, done by the, the canon group of uh, uh, Golden and Globus. Oh, yeah, those two I Israelis. I keep hearing that name a lot. In the yeah, so like, scene. the thing is, right, uh, I'm pretty sure if you're a movie fan, especially of the B-movie genre, uh, you all know what Death Wish is about and you're also very aware of the canon film group and how they survive on the two Chucks Chuck Norris and Charles Bronson yeah so this was the other figurehead of the canon uh, group and like yeah Death Wish came out in the 70s we're gonna talk about the old movie for a f- for a hot second I'll, here. I'll, I'll, I'll give you your old man corner so old man <laughs> corner here oh back in the day you whippersnappers so Death Wish and it's uh, in summary it's one of the most unapologetic vigilante revenge movies that is just Pure fantasy, back pure before, escapism. Yeah, back before it left a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, I mean, like, this was the 70s, yo. I mean, it was okay for a white guy to shoot black people. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't feel weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? It felt like oh, no. when you saw something like Dirty Harry and Death Wish, you'd be like, yeah, those punks deserved it. Because Could you classify this film as an exploitation flick or is it just an action Probably flick? off the cusp of the exploitation movies. I would say more like, uh, it's a product of its time, definitely. Yeah. But I think most importantly, what people, I mean, especially of my generation or the generation before me will remember, that this was the springboard for Charles Bronson to, to come back. This was his comeback thing. Mm. Because, like, if you recall, this guy's been around. He was in The Magnificent Seven. Mm. He was in The Great Escape. Like, wow. He acted in movies with, like, Steve McQueen and, like, one of the Attenboroughs. I can't remember. Richard uh, or David? Richard. David David Daniels' voiceover. Ah, there you go. And Richard. the thing is, is like, like, this is a man in his 60s. And, like, in the opening scene of the first movie, just him chilling on the beach, like, hanging out with his wife. Dude was ripped, son. And like, this is before protein shakes and like steroids. This is literally this is before a before CGI. He's just a man who enjoys just like lifting rocks and like yeah. smashing him against his forehead. You know, old oh, man. And the thing is that he had the most badass mustache ever. Like I, I only dream of achieving such manliness. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind the of most mus- iconic look. It's yes. a mustache which looks really creepy on anyone else but him. But him. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So the thing is like, so you have to understand that such stalwarts as like Charles Bronson and the Death Wish series, part one. Part two is the superior movie because it's just dumber. Uh-huh. Okay, part one actually it tries to be serious, and you also have to understand that when this movie came out, it was kind of like lambasted for its uh, exploitive violence, which is very tame by today's standards. When did Straw Dogs come out? 
strong as well probably 70. around the same time too. so right. i guess like but that's peck and pa peck and pa violence you cannot compare okay because okay. like it's like you can't compare death wish to like the wild bunch oh, yeah. totally different amounts of blood used <laughs> but i will say this man like like oh wait yeah so uh death wish uh for all you old school fans like if you love this and you're like oh M- eli roth I know him. He Th- does this would be the perfect thing you would yeah, imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then I mean, like you got Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, or John McClane, and then yeah. like like all right, what could go wrong? Everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be fair, um, it starts off pretty strong. It's like uh, the opening cinematic where it's just one long continuous shot, like zooming in onto a and they're doing the radio voices, right? Yeah, they're, like they're doing the cop chatter, and then also the radio voice talking about violence in Chicago, and then you have. A guy trying to bring his partner into the office, like as he's like being shot, mm-hmm. and then you have the one long single take going through the hospital of everyone like trying to save this guy who's been shot. Yeah, that was very good. It's a powerful opening scene. And it's like, ooh, this is good. It's a really strong opening, and then it becomes, uh, let's just uh, foreshadow the teenage girl having problems um, segment. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like the most wholesome white family in the suburbs uh, scene possible. It feels like a lifetime. TV lifetime channel kind of show for some reason. It's like they're coming down, the wife's making pancakes, uh, you know, Bruce Willis is reading the newspaper, the girl comes down. I'm going to college. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to college in New York. Not just to say not which New York university they're going to. No. So it could be a really shitty one, like, I don't know, one of their... uh, Trump University, maybe. Hey, yeah, probably. But I would say also this, like, I also like the fact that they decided to kind of switch up the uh, the profession of the character. Yeah, he's a doctor he, this time around. Instead of being an architect in the original film, mm. which, like, okay, so he's a person who saves life. So I thought immediately, like, oh, there's going to be some sort of juxtaposition about, you know, a person who saves lives who also takes lives, and there'll be some interesting conflict there. Like the judge, jury, executioner sort of motif thing. But yeah, you know, like, he's a doctor by day and a vigilante by night. Like, like oh. would there be some kind of ethical dilemma that he has to get yeah. over mm-hmm. and then the thing is like you know the ju- uh, the crux of it all is like you know he's he's out for revenge constantly yeah no because like um i mean it's not much of a spoiler but so the wife dies daughter gets into a coma yeah like you know like you as soon as you see like you know this wholesome family shit happening when the daughter comes down, like i'm going to university one of them's gonna die mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's movie shorthand it's kind of like you know the guy in a war movie saying oh I have a girlfriend or wife waiting for me at home mm-hmm. she's about yeah, to give birth your watch you're setting it up <laughs> yeah just like just setting a timer it's like okay you have 20 half, minutes 20 minutes <laughs> better make it count yeah but I mean also another thing is uh, they also introduced the Vincent D'Onofrio character who I think is kind of wasted yeah it's like if you're gonna get a you know a powerful actor like Vincent D'Onofrio give him more to do rather than being the schlobby waste of space brother who has to borrow money but also at the same time he does have a, I mean I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit right? he does have that moment where when he is aware of what the other brother is doing yeah but then he becomes emotional center for some reason yeah and then he does nothing for most of the movie right. I mean he could have helped out during the final home invasion yeah <laughs> of course like, or maybe like, it could have been a nice twist actually he's the final one killing and then he gets gunned down by the cops or something that would be a much more interesting I ending. think they're saving him for the sequel if there is one but I doubt this movie is going to make any money of course not now look the main problem with this movie is that it is tonally all over the fucking place like for every scene we have of Bruce Willis gunning people down with his like really bored smug face like, the Bruce mm. Willis face <laughs> it's like yeah. Owen Bruce Willis like in the red phase of my career where I'm just being paid to do this shit I don't the, care the, the weather man, the weather retired man look I remember Bruce Willis in Live Free or Die Hard <coughs> yes that face okay. all the time yeah <laughs> basically the one who said I'm tired of being typecast I'm gonna do a deliberate bad job so I never get cast again 
Yeah, but then again, I think he and Eli Roth has a pretty good relationship because I mean they're from the Robert Rodriguez, Captain Tarantino camp. Like True. they're all friends. Mm-hmm. They have, I think, like Bruce Willis. I don't think maybe not. I yeah. don't, maybe on uh, Planet Terror, but oh, Eli Roth didn't pop up anywhere. Right? No, no but I would so. say this. Like I mean, <coughs> guys like Tarantino, Eli Roth, and Robert Rodriguez. They're like you know they're a boys' club, yeah. and I'm pretty sure Bruce Willis is a part of that boys' club. Because I mean, very legendarily, uh, Kevin Smith, uh, get well soon, sir. Oh okay. yeah, please, yeah, please shit. recover, okay, and cut down the snacks. Cut <laughs> down the- All right, no, and if anything, uh, I mean, he had very legendarily told everybody about how hard it was to work with Bruce Willis because he's such a bit of an ass on set, and he's like a, a, a total movie star. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can kind of tell because it's like now that that is made aware to us, it's like whenever we see a Bruce Willis movie, we can kind of see like, yeah, this is him who not giving a fuck. This is literally not caring anymore. This is the time when his uh, secretary didn't give him a latte that morning. Yeah, okay. And the thing is, I want to bring this up because it is the most evident in those psychiatry scenes. Absolutely. That Which was him just... so crowbarred in. It's like him trying to be... No, the worst for me was... Uh, it was this weird um, like uh, montage for 10 minutes in part of the movie where it's him talking about how hard it is to carry on living with his wife, how he can't sleep in the same bed, how he's just watching TV all the time. It's like, why am I watching a Hallmark drama? <laughs> Like, this is an Eli Roth movie, and there's a guy, you know, soap-level acting, right? like, daytime TV shit happening on the screen right now. I mean, if anything, I think we should also kind of bring up the fact that this movie came out in the worst possible timing. Because yeah. as of this recording, we can only mention about what's going on in America right now, especially Holy with gun shit. violence yeah. in schools. So I can also kind of understand this. I mean, I don't want to blame the director or blame like the actor but also at the same time I mean it's a series of unfortunate events let's just be very honest yeah I mean they probably should have delayed the release but they couldn't as well because you know we have all of the Marvel movies coming out in the next two months so you and the the Han Solo and and Pacific Rim yeah Pacific Rim end of this month yeah Yeah. exactly there's no other time to release this movie so I guess they kind of had to but it did leave a bit of a bad taste in my mouth watching it. Just like just remembering what happened the last time some white dude with a gun, you know, decided to go and take like matters into his own hands. Yeah. But Speaking of which, how are the action scenes in this? They're boring. Like there's nothing. I you know Eli Roth. If you know that name, you this is a name that you synonymize with like crazy. Hostel of- one, Hostel two, Cabin Fever, yeah. Aftershock. <laughs> like that was crazy shit. Yeah, there sure, you go. Even Green Inferno, which was tamed by his standards, yeah. had some, you know. Yeah, fairly it's decent scenes. Up, yeah, <laughs> like moments where like you you definitely got a lot of catch up. Yeah, <laughs> but in this one, I it felt very very tame. He felt very kneecapped in a sense because yeah. I, it, it to me it felt like probably this movie because it doesn't have a window to be released in and releasing a movie like this now is very it's not say tonally like uh, I mean it's very insensitive you know especially to an American audience. Oh, are, they, yeah. are they w- looking forward to a movie about a, r- a crazy gu- white guy going out there shooting people because of some misaligned sense of justice? But also at the same time, it's like I can also understand as maybe on a, on a corporate level, like the the executives would be like, "We got to make a profit now. Okay, mm-hmm. we can't delay this. We can't do anything." Tell you what, let's reshoot some of these scenes because, like, my explanation for the psychiatry scenes is basically we need to kind of make this crazy guy seem less crazy. So at least he's seeing a shrink. Yeah, you yeah. know, like a lot of these things. Which well, he sees twice in the movie. Yeah, which totally, like, you no, know, it kills the pacing, and then like that, uh, that also adds literally nothing in terms of like you know story or you know development of character. It's literally just we're killing time in already 
a movie which is quite short by today's standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you take out all those scenes and then, I mean, if you just leave in the action and the vengeance plot, it's like, it's barely an hour, like, pilot, if you think about and it. And the main problem is that it's just, it's not fun. You don't get a sense of any kind of fun, which mm. isn't, is fine. You know, like, you know, movies don't have to be fun. They can, if they mean something or if they're trying to say something. But it doesn't feel that impactful. This movie has nothing to say. Yeah, it's straddling between trying to be gritty, but also trying to be relevant. Which and is impossible, which is I guess. Tough. The problem yeah. is that there are definitely moments where this felt very pro-Second Amendment. Kind of like, mm. you know, oh, it's our right to bear arms. That like, you know, it's a man's like duty. Like every scene in the gun shop, especially. <laughs> like, we yeah, are saying, it's your duty to protect your home with all the latest in, like, you know, military tech. But then there's definitely some sentiment in other parts, like especially when it comes to the radio talks, talking about how, you know, we need to not, you know, celebrate gun violence. That there's nothing. Literally, sway in the morning on Shay Four Five. Okay. Jesus Christ! Not a plug, sorry, but everything. He. Man, so that's man, an actual radio station in Chicago. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the sway show with the sway, right? Yeah. With Heather B, yeah, famous legendary female rapper. But I would say, um, no. But the thing is, he becomes the so-called the, the voice of the movie, mm-hmm. yeah. where. Constantly, he's just reminding the audience, they're like, you know what, this, this, what's the nickname they gave him? The Grim Monica? Reaper. The Grim Reaper. This Grim Reaper guy, he's going out there uh, executing his own v- version of street justice. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? You tell us. You know, that's the, that's, that's the thing. This movie refuses to take a stand on the left it's or on the right. so ham-fisted. Like, you know, yeah. you could go in either as, you know, a bleeding heart liberal who says that, you know, you're not even allowed to hold, like, the tiniest, like, little, um catapult to the guy saying if I don't have a tank in my front lawn then mm. my rights are being offended mm. and they both have something to take from this movie I would say this right the one thing that could have improved this movie a lot is if it went full on Republican oh yeah I wanted to be some if it went one side of the fence it right? was literally an unapologetic no we all need guns guns is the only way guns is the law guns is the logic and then like Bruce Willis that's the character it's like he's struggling to be a doctor saving lives in the day but at night he wants to clean up the streets mm. and that's the thing because when you like, like I said if you reference it to the original Death Wish, that movie was unapologetic as fuck. It mm. was, like I said, you know, uh, escapism. It's yeah. pure male power fantasy. But at least it was... It, it, it knows where it stands, It basically. knows it's trying to be a fun movie. Yeah. You know, it's just a stupid vengeance movie with, you know, awesome action scenes. You know, and that's what I was hoping for. Because the thing is, right, the, only, the least you had to do, Eli Roth, was to top the first one. And the thing is, by today's standards, that movie, like, it's very tame. It's like, you look at the original Death Wish... Okay, the rape is still a bit harsh. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, the violence is like, you know, seeing Lawrence Fishburne get capped between a radio, mm-hmm. or like, you know. Or, or, you know, guys who are being shot on the ground, like, you know, magically, like, you know, dance around on the floor to show <laughs> yeah, that they've yeah. been the, shot The again. classic 70s when you shoot a guy, their arms go up first. Like, you know? oh! oh! And then you're dead. <laughs> oh, I've been shot! Oh, you got me, sucker! <laughs> I mean, like, stuff like that. It's like, because it knows it's trying to be entertaining. So here we have a movie trying to be grim and gritty, and at the same time, not be too on this side or that side because it knows it needs to reach the, the, the lowest common denominator, the biggest audience possible. It can't be too left or too right, which is like... So it ends up just being toothless. Like, you know, yeah. if it had been full-on, like, die-hard Republican, I probably wouldn't have liked the movie because of my own personal stance. But if it managed to push... I would have respected it for standing <laughs> yeah. for something. And if it went full-on batshit nuts with the violence yeah because the thing is the violence that does come up like I think the only part that made us wince was when the guy landed on his head yeah where you actually see his skull cave in Ooh. so it's yeah. like alright that's kind of 
harsh. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the thing is, like, to be fair, uh, we do need to mention this. We watched this in Singapore, which can be a little censor heavy sometimes. Yeah, we have one scene removed. I yeah, ours oh, is the NC17 version. We didn't yeah. see the M18 version. Yeah, where apparently a guy's head gets crushed by a car. So maybe which I've seen in other movies <laughs> yeah I mean I'm sure I've seen it in movies in Singapore as well. look all the Saw movies came to Singapore uncensored yeah, yeah that's yeah, I that, that's, nice. that's very strange yeah I, I don't know yeah, I really maybe it's the context you know like you know, if the guy's enjoying it it's not nice I don't know yeah but I mean if anything uh, Death Wish is a kind of movie where it's interesting that it exists but unfortunately it's not doing anything to improve the name of Bruce Willis the Death Wish franchise or Mr. Eli Roth like there is nothing really that I can say which makes it worth watching like is it fun no Taken is more fun even a second movie yeah that's like, exactly we live in a world where Taken exists or like you know might as well just watch that instead, the Equalizer right? yeah. 2 is coming out this year oh, and yeah. that is gonna be fun because we can watch Denzel Washington be an anal retentive father go around <laughs> killing people I still think the best version of that is Man on Fire. Oh, Man yes. on Fire was good. That, mo- that movie, was good. like, and that is a remake too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a fantastic movie. You know Jesus who directed Christ. it? Who? Tony Scott. Oh, mm. yeah, was it just before the he passed? The other Ridley, yeah, definitely before he passed. Well, well honestly, after. Po- <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting Posthumously directed yeah. by Tony Scott. That would be so funny. It's just from like, the grave. <laughs> yeah, like, Rise just, from your grave. Like, you have to listen very hard for, like, God. <laughs> Ridley's a hack. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. Stop making alien movies. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Gladiator is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank uh, you, thank you, Ghost of Tony Scott. <laughs> this is our worst character on the podcast so far. We'll never have a Top Gun too. No. <laughs> So, I think maybe... Okay, let's so wrap... So, what kind of a rating would you give this? This is end? a 2. This is definitely, yeah, 2 or... Maybe a... That's very, very harsh. Maybe <laughs> if I see the M18 version and maybe the violence is fun, maybe a 3? Yeah, I might get a 3 if I can see a guy's I'd, literal head pop open. But. but I will not recommend this. I mean, if, if you want to see gory death scenes, you can get your fix elsewhere. Yeah. Okay, so you want to see a guy take uh, matters in his own hands, get a gun and go out there... Original Death Wish. The there's another remake with Kevin Bacon, which title escapes me right now. Uh, which is based on the novel and it's close to the novel. Which is a better movie, but it's less fun. Is it? But that's gritty as fuck. Yeah. And of course, the thing is that's pure revenge. Or you know, you can just watch The Punisher. Yes. Like, <laughs> that is like why what watch it on Netflix? It's like there you go. The yeah, Punisher or, Warzone. Or, <laughs> or Punisher <laughs> Warzone. Or I have a you know if you want to watch an old man you know take uh, some uh, mob justice into his own hands. Uh, Harry Brown, which is a uh, British movie, is actually pretty good. Starring who? Bruce Michael, Brown. Michael Caine. Michael oh. Caine. Michael Caine going around killing uh, chavs on a uh, tenement block. Why am I not aware of this? This and sounds it, amazing. And it ends with a full-blown riot in uh, the project. Is this like, young Michael Caine, old Michael this Caine? This is old Michael Caine. This came out in 2008, this 2009. Is, this is Alfred Ooh, Michael okay. Caine. Yeah. This is, uh, I found the size of a tangerine. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a great moment where he goes to some uh, drug dealer and like he, like he the guy has a gun, but he's been using it to smoke crack, so it doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> so he says, you didn't take good care of your weapon, son, and like slams him to the ground. Oh, and then wow. he shoots him and he says, now that wound is bad. I saw people in Northern Ireland get this kind of wound where mm-hmm. if you don't get, you know, uh, looked after immediately, you're going to die over the course of hours. Yeah. As you, know, you slowly bleed internally to death. Are it's we like, talking about full Michael Caine though? This, yes. this is the full Michael Caine. I haven't Michael seen Caine. the movie, but I can picture it and I kind of want to watch it. You know it right what? Now. I think, yeah, it, probably, think it. it probably exists as a, d- a different title outside of the UK. It's on Netflix, Singapore. I it's oh, probably, that's good. That's you good. know what? It's probably, yeah. called, it's probably called like Dirty Airy. 
Daddy Harry. I'm Daddy Harry. Yeah. Daddy Harry. Daddy. Now that's a different kind of movie. Daddy <laughs> Harry. Harry Daddy. <laughs> well, speaking of Harry Daddies, <laughs> we're gonna be taking a quick break. Quick break. Wake and bake. Uh, shoutouts. <laughs> we're gonna uh, be taking a break. A and break. After that, we're gonna talk about Red Sparrow. Yes. yes. Jennifer Lawrence is a ballerina with a vengeance and a magic pussy. <laughs> Uh, magic pussy. <laughs> That's a line from the movie, by the way. Don't come at me. So uh, stick with us, comrades. We'll be right back. Welcome back, comrades. This is continuation of Last King podcast, episode number seventy. Hail Last King. Hello. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Boris. How you doing? I be going now. You all enjoy podcast, yes? How did Boris get in the first place? Who's Boris? How <laughs> <laughs> you just went out? Door. We gotta stop letting people into this, you know. I know, like the security is so lax here. And yeah. we're in space. That's the weird part. So anyway, yes, we're continuing to the second segment of the Last Game podcast. Thank you, Boris. Uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Don't let capitalism hit you on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we're going to share, be share. <laughs> share. No, bye bye bye. Yeah, bye bye. <laughs> bye bye bye. A very good NSYNC song. <laughs> no, no, why, no. NSYNC is the host of all capitalism. Justin Timberlake is the golden child of uh, the money laundering imperialistic American function. Okay, no. So we're going to be talking about Red Sparrow. <laughs> I wish. Are you sure? I'm do you sure. Know what, do you not want to talk about uh, how NSYNC is like the birth of all capitalism for the next 10 minutes? Uh, they started that new boy band revolution. You know, we never had pop stores that made so much money before. Yeah, what about Westlife? Westlife, they no good. They like a Polish version of NSYNC. Mm, also, <laughs> Backstreet Boys <laughs> and New Kids on the Block. <laughs> okay, enough. <laughs> For all our Russian fans out there, we don't apologize. How are you listening to this? Uh, isn't your communist country preventing you from listening to podcasts? So yeah, to <laughs> yeah. sort of sum it up. And also, if you're listening... Fuck you, Putin. <laughs> what? No. Oh, that was, now, now that, okay, we're, we're that was the there. last time we have ever heard. <laughs> it was the last we heard. Earlier. So, so yeah, talk. Red Sparrow came out this uh, last few same days, day as uh, Death Wish. So it's an American spy thriller directed by the guy who did. It's a Russian spy thriller. Russian by spy thriller made but, in America. Yeah, yeah, by director Francis Lawrence, who is known for the Hunger Games yeah. adaptations. Right? No, he's American. Oh, he's American. Yeah. Any uh, relation to Jennifer Lawrence or Joey Lawrence? I think it's. It's a <laughs> Who the f- Joey Lawrence played the older brother in Blossom, opposite Mayim Bialik back in the 90s. Whoa. You are. <laughs> there you go! <laughs> you are so old. No, 90s. You were alive. Yeah, yes, 90s. I was three. I wasn't watching teen dramas when I was three. It wasn't a teen drama, okay? It was a uh, slice of life comedy starring a very young Mayim Bialik. Yeah. Yes, I was watching Cartoon Network. <laughs> I thought it was new, right? <laughs> it was very, very fresh. Oh, yes, there you go. So, speaking of very fresh, we have a very fresh uh, Jennifer Lawrence off the uh, almost Oscar win of a mother. No, uh, no, it's mother. Mother? With oh, like exclamation mark. mark. Yeah. Mother. No, it should be a question mark. Mother? Mother? <laughs> <laughs> mother. <laughs> like, and like, yeah, so this is her after shitting very hardly on the X-Men franchise that she is uh, tied to and the Hunger Games. Yeah, she's basically saying, I want to do, you know, really interesting movies. Now. I want to do David or Russell movies from now on. And since David or Russell hasn't got a script for her, so she she's has doing to, this shit. Yep, she has to because you know what? Uh, being Jennifer Lawrence is expensive. <laughs> 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 you know, just look at her. Wow. 
I mean, like, you know, just the amount of cybersecurity she has to pay for nowadays. Oh, yes. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry I brought that up. But <laughs> you know that, what? That is something that will be brought up a few times. So, yes, Red Sparrow dropped very unexpectedly. I didn't pay attention to any of the hyper hoopla. Yeah, it, it, I heard nothing about this until maybe... It was like, kind of like a surprise, right? It came out like... Yeah, we only started seeing marketing maybe a month ago. Like, there was no, you know, like, usually when you get these kind of movies, you have, you know, the green band trailer first, a few months ahead, then you have the red band that comes a bit later to say, no, this is why you really should be excited. Boobs! Right, forgetting the internet exists. Mm -hmm. So this is like a R-rated film, I recall, right? It's a... Uh, M18. M18. Yeah, it's M18, not the yeah. R21 where it's usual in Singapore. Oh, wait, yeah. is it R21? No, it's, it's M18. M it's M18. So yeah. uh, certain amounts so No, the thing is, it was rated for sexual scenes and violence. Yeah. No, not for violence. For nudity and sexual scenes. The violence apparently wasn't hard enough. Yeah, even though there's a scene where a guy gets his skin and literally scraped off. Ooh, man. Grafted off with a skin grafted. Oh, yeah. and Lovely. Like, I mean, you don't see like any blood spurts or anything, but, you know, there is definitely some pretty intense violence which goes on. Some A-level grimacing on the part <laughs> I was all expecting. Oh, yeah, I mean, Jesus, in the first five minutes of the movie, we see... Nah, the, we're gonna spoil this movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah, spoilers alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yeah. We see Jennifer Lawrence's leg get snapped in half in the first five minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like a proper, you know, not kind of, it's like a proper snap noise. It's like somebody broke a broomstick over somebody's knee kind of Ooh, sound. Ooh, yeah, that's Yeah, very, and very. the perfect yelp to follow that too. So, yeah, there you go. And there you see Jennifer Lawrence broken. No more prima ballerina. I'm gonna stop sliding into that Russian accent from now on. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Because you love it so much and you want to just keep this going on because I'm actually spy I'm from other podcasts we are the last czar podcast <laughs> <laughs> here to destroy you guys from the inside this has been inside job all along okay okay enough sorry get out of here Boris shit Boris so Jennifer Lawrence's character goes into a ballet school and that's where they recruit spies okay let's, let's she starts off as a prima for the Bolshoi uh, theatre which I think is one of the most renowned uh, ballet it's schools it's the biggest one yeah. because it's called Bolshoi yeah <laughs> Literally, that's what it means. Big theater. So she's a prima ballerina. She gets her leg snapped. She can no longer be a dancer. Then creepy uncle, played by Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Seriously, this actor looks so much like Vladimir Putin. I felt so uneasy anytime he was on screen. You it's know? Like, I feel like I've signed my own death warrant watching this movie. <laughs> oh my god. You better clap or else he might shoot. Oh, you. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, but I think so. Creepy Uncle, who is deputy director of SVR, which yeah. is not KGB or is it KGB? It's something else. SVR is what the KGB became once it stopped being. Ah, uh, so once it's like. So it's no more Kremlin. Whatever. It's the same offices. It's like I, d I think they just changed. It's the a rebrand. <laughs> it's basically. It's like, it's like a big PR move. It's like you know we used to be called Darky now we're Darly. <laughs> Slightly more friendly, less scary. That was a real thing that actually happened. That actually happened. You know, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, so a uh, creepy uncle decides to uh, hire Jennifer Lawrence because Jennifer Lawrence, what's her name this time? Dominica. Dominica is the real name. Tatiana yeah. is the fake name. And what was the other fake name? Uh. Katya Katyan Basically any stereotypical Russian woman name That's one of her names Except for point. Natasha you know? yeah. She looks like a good Natasha Oh wait Natasha is used for somebody else Yeah, yeah. Like, So we did not see the birth of Natasha Romanov this time unfortunately. No we did not oh, But if anything So uh, Jennifer Lawrence uh, For sake of I think the thing is Her so-called impetus for doing all this Because she wants to protect her mother Yeah So her mother is disabled Or she's handicapped I, I, She can't walk Or she's very sick it, I 
they never really say what it is, but mm. she needs round-the-clock care. She needs a, a nurse, helper. Yeah. Because she can't even go to the bathroom unassisted. It's that level of uh, you know assisted living. And then it's like a constant reminder, like, oh, in Russia, the state has to take care of you. And unless you're nice to the state, the state don't take care of you no more. Well, so. I mean, originally, it's the Bolshoi Theatre that are paying the medical costs. I think that's, you know, to get around paying her not as much. I guess so. Yeah. But then again, so, like, it's basically... The Sparrow is basically that caged bird, like... Uh, what do you call that? Songbird? The metaphor, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, like, it's a cage bird. It's like, oh, this poor red sparrow. Yeah, but uh, in the movies, in the, in the movies, in this movie, mm-hmm. red uh, sparrows are the code name for a special kind of spy that they're training in modern age Russia, which are basically special kind of prostitutes to try and, you know, yeah. sway people and like get information or turn them to the other so side. So besides the normal blackmail. espionage and spy shit, they're also trained in uh, seduction and psychological warfare. Yeah. And to this movie's credit, it's not just women who are being recruited onto this program. It's sexy blonde boys. Huh? Yeah, it's basically <laughs> like you know either pretty women or twinks are being um... <laughs> twinks. <laughs> oh no, there's some very twinky boys on this program. Right, right. What's a twink? Uh, the pretty boy and a gay. Uh, like you know a bear? No. Wow. All Please right. explain a bear. A big hairy dude. That's me. <laughs> so you'd be a bear in a gay relationship. Ah, oh, I'm not in a gay relationship. Well, if you were. So you'd be the twink. No. <laughs> You'd be the bear. I'm not... I, I don't know why. You're be. an author. Right? Okay, so anyway, back to the, back to the spy whorehouse the concept going on. Yeah, yeah. The so, spill. So, so back to that concept. So, so okay, what happens here comes player? the first problem I have with this film. Because the thing is, right, they wanted to push forward the whole sexy spy thing. <laughs> and the sexy spy thing, I kind of thought that all spies were supposed to be sexy because like that was watched, the allure of James Bond for example mm-hmm. there you go but the thing is this decided to be a modernized more in your face kind of sexy so they had all these very weird not very sexy scenes happening in front of you and um, like part of the training is basically the dehumanization of each of these sparrows yeah right? which I mean I think they kind of pulled off but the thing is they did it in such a ham-fisted way it was definitely like, you know, check by notebook, uh, like, you know, forced to remove your clothes, forced to seduce someone, an attempted rape scene. I mean, there's literally a scene where one of the teachers like, you give blowjob to men now. Okay, see if you have what it takes to be a sparrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. This guy who is meant to be like a confirmed pedophile or something, I think is the implication. Yeah. It's like pretty intense shit going on. But then again, I mean, like that's where, not the movie doesn't fall flat on its face here, but it's like, this feels so, unintentionally hilarious sometimes yeah because it's kind of goofy when it comes out especially when lead uh, principal I don't know who was who, uh, Matron the Matron what's she's her name I don't, she's called Matron well, they call her Matron. Matron which just makes me think of the Carry On movies there you go oh yeah. Matron oh Matron and she's like my favourite character because every time she does her lines I can imagine her rubbing her nipples <laughs> like she's literally like now you need to take off all clothes you take know? off your clothes and, uh, and she's like the man no, she, no, give him what he wants you're rubbing it too high it's, she's <laughs> a knee knocker She's like <laughs> down here. She's like a little, guy, a little lower. A little lower there. She's like you know like oh in Russia yeah. No. Thank you for describing an audio podcast. <laughs> where to the nipples? I'm, I'm describing your nipples here on this podcast. But if anything, okay, audience members, start rubbing your nipples now. Listen to me. <laughs> so the art of seduction is very easy. You need to be able to divorce yourself from all emotion and just engage with pleasures of flesh. <laughs> like that's it. That's her scene. She's she's just basically like. I, you can start rubbing your nipples now, boys and girls. That, now it's getting weird. <laughs> exactly, that's what this movie means. It's like, it's getting weird. It's not entertaining. It's just like, this feels very off-brand. I know what you're trying to go for, but it's not working out it's here. It's making you feel a little bit gross, especially the scene the second time Jennifer Lawrence is attempted to be raped. 
mm-hmm. it starts to get like I feel like you're enjoying this a bit too much. No, but I think that's the point. The point. I think it's the point, right? Is it? Is yeah, she's supposed. Yeah. They're supposed to show that she has reached that pure dehumanization. Yeah. Where she's lost all emotion. She doesn't attach the ethical morality anymore to what she does. True. And I mean, it was a nice, powerful scene where she, like, literally the the guy that she's confronting in front of the class yeah. was the guy who tried to rape her earlier on, and she smashes him in the head with a knob. From a shower, she she smashes the knob with the knob. There we go. There you go. That joke was worth it. <laughs> okay, so then again, so is and so called as a graduation scene. So like uh you know matron you know you know rubbing her nipples again. Uh, why don't you show this boy? <laughs> give what, him what he wants. Give him what he, what does he want? Show me. Show, give him what you can you can rub your nipples now, uh, last king fans. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. We'll, we'll give you audio cues for when you're allowed to rub your nipples. Oh man, I'll just start playing sexy music in the background. There you go. So like okay. And rub your nipples now. now. So, uh, so Matron is like, okay, Jennifer Lawrence now playing as Katiana. I'm actually rubbing my nipples as I'm doing this. This is quite fun. Okay, we should all be rubbing our nipples as we do the podcast, and nobody can see. <laughs> we should we should rub each other's nipples. Oh, okay. stop! That's a bit too far. That's a bit too I far. Am Boris, let go of me. So anyway, um, so Matron is oh, like, keep getting in. I, I don't know. He's a spy. He lets himself in. You know. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Boris the pervert. He's not a spy. He's not even a sparrow. He's like a budgery girl or something. <laughs> I mean, okay. He's a Russian Jared Fogel. The, oh. <laughs> Deep cut there. So I was saying, so like Jennifer Lawrence in a very kind of empowering scene, she strips down to her nothings. Okay, and if you have, if you're all fans of the fappening, you know what to expect. But uh, you know, uh, there she is, naked, in front of the class, facing this bully, you know, who tried to rape her, and just like doing like the power dom, like the power bottom kind of. Move. Basically, you know, like, oh, you want me? Come get me. Are you not ready? You want to fuck me? Come on! And then like, he's literally like, can't get it up. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then like, in her, and in, in a really nice line, you know, like, which the teach the matron asks, you know, like, so what did he want? Power. Power. And it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of nice, but. But she didn't even like. Also, the setup, like the context behind the scene, is that she beat him up, but then she was getting in trouble because he was an asset for the state. Yeah, apparently so. And she, she basically said, like, "He tried to rape me," and you think that's an excuse to beat him up? It's you like Sparrow, you're supposed to be raped what? all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Sex is nothing to you. Yeah. Sex is weapon. Sex is tool. And then once that's done, we get to the actual plot of the movie, yes. which is about an hour in. <laughs> yeah, it's like the plot is she needs to seduce the handler of a Russian mole. Who is now in Budapest? I can't tell you what. We won't spoil the more because that's actually quite smart. Yeah, this was that was, honest to God, like the part I really enjoyed about this movie is that the mole reveal was quite good, and then the second reveal afterwards, mm. like where they resolved the mole uh, uh, plot was like, well, okay. Afterwards, I said okay, that made sense, but in the moment, it's like oh wow, so mm. it was like a moment of cleverness which I do appreciate within the movie so you think so you're saying that it's also kind of written well per se leading up after the origin story uh, the, the moments of written brilliance but it felt very stodgy this movie but yeah the thing is it's not mo- it's just moments but unfortunately in between the moments are really dumb really it's, cliche tropey stuff I, the whole is not greater than some of its parts mm-hmm. unfortunately that, for yeah. every truly brilliant moment of writing there's another moment where it's like this could have been made tighter this could have had better uh, like just better or this scene didn't need stop. to exist at all uh, and the certain subplots which whilst they were nice to see were not particularly necessary like mm. the whole sub scene with the uh, station chief yeah yeah like the guy from Black Mirror 
I mean, like oh. the, the because the thing is, once Jennifer Lawrence graduates and she starts working, and then she is, and then of course she has a creepy pervert boss. Yeah. And it's like, okay, he he's meant to be another antagonist in a movie where we have enough antagonists. It's like the entire Russian state is being shown as this creepy, like really penetrative pun intended um, state machine where like you're never free even before you become an agent of the state your life entirely belongs to this big shadowy figure behind the shadows I mean there's a brilliant line I mean okay brilliant I'm I'm, gonna use that word too much I think it's a clever line it's a a good line I mean this this good line where basically somebody explains to her you thought you were free when you were a dancer you also belong to the people then you know, you never were free. You yeah, know, like, oh, okay. I think this movie is trying to say that only the Russians are aware that they're never truly free. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's even as like a throwaway line in the movie where they say at least they have aspirations of freedom when they're talking about uh, people from the state. It's like, ooh, I feel like there's a political message that Gen- uh, Mr. Lawrence wants to say. Not Mrs. Lawrence? No. <laughs> well, maybe she wants to as well, but... I think her message is this: I'm an actress. Hire me. <laughs> yeah, I'm available. I've I've shared on okay. the X-Men. She's also like, look, I'm no longer in the Hunger Games. I can show my tits now. <laughs> so from beginning to end, was she worth the admission per se? No. She, watching this, not really. She's okay, but she's, she's fine. Not- but she's not doing anything another actress couldn't have pulled off. I would say like you didn't need to have Jennifer Lawrence. I think she got the role because she's worked with Frances Lawrence before. That she has some kind of name recognition. Maybe she can pull off a fairly decent Russian accent, or like, I don't know, but like, she was a fine choice, but I'm not saying that she was the only choice. I could have seen, can you imagine Margot Robbie in this role, for example? She would have been amazing. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is that when she did, and the thing is when Margot Robbie does her nude scenes, there's a sense of fearlessness about it. Yeah. Whereas when I see this, it's like, yeah, you kind of kind of cover her a bit, you know, or like, you know, like, okay, it's not even meant to be seductive or sensual, it's basically like, okay, you can't afford all the boobs, you just get the one boob. Mm. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, you know what I mean? So, like, the thing is, like, I mean, for me, when I watch movies like this, I, I unfortunately attach a lot of my production knowledge and history to this. Uh-huh. And I can see, like, oh, okay, that's not her ass, that's a body double. Or, you know, the thing is, things like that shouldn't really matter. But also at the same time, it's like, it takes me out of the movie once in a while when I realize that. Was like, it really apparent and obvious? Or? Some scenes, yes. I, I, like, especially I, the, the ballet scenes. I, I, I disagree. I think that the ballet scenes were done very well because there mm-hmm. weren't very many. Yeah, true. I and mean, the thing is, it was lit very well. I mean, like, if I want to compare it to uh, the Margot Robbie movie, Itonia, where it's quite obvious that some of the ski, uh, the ice skating scenes are like, okay, you kind of did some computer magic here. Yeah? And then, like, when I see something like Red Sparrow, it's like, yeah, I, I, no, I noticed the scenes where they pasted her face onto the actual dancer. Yeah. But, but it doesn't take me out of the movie because the thing is, I can look past, like, you know, I, I won't say bad special effects. I was just say, you guys did what you needed to do on what budget you had. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, yeah, uh, some of its parts. I would say some of the budget uh, that really shows is in terms of uh, the location shooting. Mm. Every location generally felt like a different place. Yeah. So you had Moscow, which was kind of austere and cold and threatening in a way. Yes. Then you had Budapest, which felt old and crumbly because you know. But then there's. It, it used yeah. to be a Soviet. Uh, it's a former Soviet state. It's a bit tired. It's a bit faded, especially the older parts of the city. So it feels all crumbly. Then you have Vienna, which is all grand and wonderful. Then you have London, some part of London. <laughs> Although Heathrow looked a bit like Stansted. You think so? Yeah. Although yeah. that's just because I've I flew through Stansted so so many times because that was my local airport. I mean, I'm pretty sure home. they had to do some location relocation. Yeah. I mean, look, th- th- this is me in my nitpicking mode. So. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of things you can nitpick about the thing, and the thing is, that's also probably one of the problems. Is like once you get tired of the story, you just start paying attention to other things. 
So that's also the, the, the hallmarks of like, yeah, it's entertaining, but it's not a good movie. I mean, I get why it came out this time. And I also get why they were kind of hoping to bank on the Lawrence and Lawrence names. Yeah. But also at the same time, it's like, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like an insincere effort. It just felt like this is what they could do in what time they had. And yeah. You know. It was probably fit in a very short period of time between shooting schedules for other films that Lawrence is involved in. I guess so. I mean, there's never going to be another Hunger Games, right? No. I'm also it. curious about the other names too. I remember I saw Joel Egerton's name. Yes, yeah, Fresh yeah. From Bright. <laughs> and also Jeremy Irons as well. Uh, Jeremy Irons, honestly, he phoned it in a little bit. I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> but then he is... Okay, I'm not going to... Sp- is it a spoiler if I say that he is the MacGuffin of the entire movie? Uh, I think that's a bit of a spoiler. Yeah, yeah. It's we a bit don't of a spoiler. Okay, I'm not going to say any much because the thing is he does have a linchpin m- He does moment. have a linchpin moment and that was a powerful scene. Uh, well, relatively powerful scene. Yeah. But it's just that because he didn't try that hard with his Russian accent, <laughs> it was like you felt that. Yeah, I, I felt like Academy he, Award winner Jeremy. He has his bout of overacting. That's for it's, sure. It's not overacting. Like, no, it's no, a, he, he he's subdued, but I think he it's also a, it's a good blends subdued, to background. But it's just that the accent was where he didn't try. Like, honestly, Joel Egerton tried harder with his. Um, uh, vocal range I mean I want to say this also about Red Sparrow in general because the thing is like I mean especially with the Jeremy Irons character there's a lot of uh, very obvious misdirects that is aimed at you the audience in this entire film and there's a lot of very obvious Chekhov guns yeah because it's basically I get it it's a spy movie it's, it's supposed to keep you on your toes and keep you interested in what's really gonna happen and also and, keep you guessing too and right? keep you guessing too but the thing is it's just plodding at such a it gets boring a lot and very quickly and like the thing is like if you're here just for the Jennifer Lawrence nudity, it goes away very quickly. You know, I mean like you don't see much of her like without her kit on until maybe the final torture scene, maybe? Yeah, and but that's not much. That's the thing, like a lot of the thing pieces and a lot of the interviews leading up to this movie were talked about how she was naked on set so often that she was making people uncomfortable. Yeah, it became a selling point for some reason. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, it's such a little part. I don't know why they talked about it. In fact, there's almost as much dick as there is boob. Uh, I guess movie. it's marketing, that's why. I guess so. I mean, it's like that Halle Berry swordfish problem. It's like, yes. it's a terrible movie. Hey, Halle Berry t- shows her tits in it. Oh, okay, sure. Which is nice, but that was like, what? We have the internet, yeah, yeah. you know? That too, yes. I've seen her and tits. We got they're, they're nice. Well, so. Yeah, but uh, the thing is, is that the Chekhov guns are fine. It's just the problem is that if they didn't do that really annoying trope they have where they replay certain scenes to say, catch up, this is why it's a clever move. move. This, mm. this is why, oh, this is a great grand reveal. This is why it's so amazing. It's like, have a bit more faith in me to know what's going on. Like, it just felt like a, it was a little bit insulting at those moments. Yeah, I mean, like the movie doesn't feel dumbed down, but it does feel it caters to the lowest common denominator. It does. It's a bit like, oi, pay attention. Yeah, there you go. Like, remember this thing that happened? Okay, this is why this happened later. And I guess... That's quite a crux for some triple... Um, am I saying triple I mean, A yeah. movies? Yeah. Because like... <laughs> Hollywood you, movies, sorry. Like, think of it this way. Like, if we are in a generation after Usual Suspects, like, of course we're smart enough to figure things out. You know, but then again, we're also in a generation where, like, Mr. Angry YouTube review will be like, I don't get what's going on! This movie's terrible! And like, yeah. if a million people agree with him, that's a million... Like, yeah. yeah, it's become a really annoying trend these days for everyone. It's like, oh well, just doesn't make sense because this, like, and I blame cinema sins for this because things we're now in this weird kind of uh, uh, landscape where it's like you know, just an asshole on the internet can ruin a movie. Yeah, and the thing is, yes, we are three other assholes on the internet, 
And we're saying this. It's a bad movie, but it's kind of entertaining. Now, it's not a bad movie. I would say... No, no. I would say this is a perfectly fine movie where... Perfectly fine. Like... I think it's more that if you paid, uh, like we paid a lot of money to watch this. It's thirteen dollars at the door, sir. Exactly. So maybe it's about like I paid thirteen for this, mm. but I think that if you watch this on Netflix, for example, this would It'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, you'd be like, this was a good Netflix movie. So like, this is definitely wait better. Wait for the DVD kind of movie, right? Yeah, wait for it. Yeah, wait for it to come out on streaming. Because I would say this like, there is nothing here that makes this like movie of the year, and like you know. I mean, if you're one of those sad guys who has who who who, who didn't catch on with the the fappening, <laughs> go ahead, pay the money, go and see her, you know. But yeah, it's like there's nothing like stellar in terms of performance. I mean, mm. the biggest selling point I would say is the art direction and the direction itself. Mm. Like Jen, uh, not Jennifer, Jim, uh, Franz, Francis, Francis Lawrence, Francis Ford Coppola, Francis Ford Lawrence, Francis Ford Lawrence. <laughs> he is a very good director. Who I feel like we've kind of slept on a little bit because he was tied up with the Hunger Games franchise for. But the thing is, if you yeah. do five years, six maybe years, maybe describability, art direction, one, it's focused more. On it's Budapest, pretty. Right? It's is a pretty it? movie. It's like art he's. Spaces? It's really fun of that. These, you know, these nice establishing shots where it's like nice still frames, kind of like saying painting. This is where I we are. I would say it's on par with the best Bond movies. Like yes. When, Ooh, okay. when you look at it that. and you can see that there was some thought into the cinematography and the framing of certain scenes. So like the Sam Mendes era. Or Actually, even yeah, the, yeah. the classic eras, like yeah. you know, what I mean, like probably. I mean, I would say this also, like, uh, I mean, the location shots are gorgeous, like you know, I mean, and uh, the most important thing, like, I mean, in comparison to the Death Wish review, where like this feels really totally out of place, this family setting, but when you see like Budapest, when you see Vienna, it's like yeah, you it captures the emotion and the mood of that scene or of that, uh, basically that part of the story, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's like it. That for the most part, every scene works well. Apart from the scenes with the mother, I have to say they were quite weak. I mean, I, yeah, I we needed some emotional pillar for something. Mm. Yeah, and I feel like there was lots of which wasn't explained. Like you know, they they said, oh, she's just doting on her mother, but she's also the prima of the Bolshoi, so there has to be some kind of like you never see this woman anymore. And there's a moment where you know the mother falls down. He says, oh, you weren't there. There was no one home. And there's like meant to be a sense of guilt, but it's like. Briefly said, oh, this happened, don't worry about it anymore. It's like, if you're going to include those elements, you need to spend a bit more time developing it. Like, if you're going to humanize Jennifer Lawrence, properly humanize her. Don't add just enough to say, old, poor woman that she has to look after. But you also have to understand that half the movie is us dehumanizing her. So yeah. then it's like, like, okay, which is probably the number one problem I have with the whole love affair with the American. Yeah. Music. Because I don't buy the romance at all. I mean, if especially like that, for, as forced as the love scene was supposed to be, it's like not even the kind of force that is like, oh, this is awkward because I am a person who is devoid of emotion and you're an American who just explained to me that every human being, every person deserves to be free. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we are, we are a clash of cultures, but look at us like, you know, have an intimate movement. And it's like, yeah, this love scene. It's like that girl from the Dragon Tattoo love scene. Like, this yeah. came out of nowhere mm-hmm. and it felt but, a bit unnecessary. But that made sense because she has Asperger's in that movie. And, you know, <laughs> she, no, legitimately, like, she doesn't know how to properly process emotions. That's why that. You think so? There's a bit of that autism in there? Have you read the books? No, I haven't. That's a She's autistic as fuck. Okay. Like, you know, it's explained Wait, in the, Is this Girl and Dragon Tattoo? Girl or? Dragon Tattoo. Oh, okay. No, yeah, I read those books. Yeah, no, in, they're not good. <laughs> they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> like, they got overblown because uh, Steve Glasson died. Uh, and Rooney Mara. Oh. R- Rooney Mara was good. Yeah. But yeah. The, the other movies are not coming out. 
Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, but yes, in general, Red Sparrow. Whew. If any of you are hoping that this would be the Black Widow movie, no, it's not. There's no, not really any action in there. I mean, mm. there is one I, fight scene, but it's very. It's like the kind of like uh, dirty, kind of like desperate scramble that you get from like non-trained so fighters. So it's not like a stylized fight scene, more like something a bit. No, I mean, nah. if you're expecting like proper gruesome fight scenes, no. I mean, there are some gruesome. There's one mo- gruesome fight scene. Yeah. With knives. <laughs> and also, there's a pretty intense torture sequence. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's but like especially like the crunch noises from uh, when they're beating, like. <sighs> oh, it's when they captured her. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's alright. Uh, so what kind of rating would you guys give this in the end? It's a, it's a strong C minus. I would say five or six for me. I would say a six as well. I mean, yeah. I don't spend your money. I, mean, I like, wait for it to come out on streaming. Like I, I don't feel annoyed that I spent money on this. I, you know, I remember I spent money to see Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> so, in on that grand scale of things, like it's fine. Whatever, thirteen dollars. I probably could have spent it on watching Black Panther again and had more fun, but, you know. It's fine, but definitely waiting for streaming. Yeah, um, I think for me, my my final thoughts on this movie is like, it does everything so averagely that, like, you don't need to make any effort to go out and watch it immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's like there are far more interesting spy movies out there. I mean, yeah. I it's a slog to watch, but the remake of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is a far more interesting uh, in terms of like conceptual spy thriller. Mm. Or if you're really hardcore, go back to the Alec Guinness version, which was a TV series. Or if you need to see a woman kick ass as a train killer, La Femme Nikita Belukuson. Still the the grand benchmark for yeah. movies like this. Or um, what's the name of uh, the Soderbergh movie with Gina Carano? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Jennifer. Garner. I can't remember. Gina Carano. Oh, Gina Carano. Uh, like, um, it's it's uh, some word, but that was that had some pretty fantastic fight scenes. Mm. All yeah. unfortunately weighed down by a Soderbergh plot, but you know what can you do? A <laughs> <laughs> Soderbergh direction. So Ugh. I would say this: Red Sparrow. Um, if you really want to watch it, go ahead. It's fine. I mean, like, you won't be disappointed. Pointed unless you're expecting, like we joked, the Black Widow uh, origin story. No, but it's nothing like that. And no. if anything, uh, if you're just there for Jennifer Lawrence bo- uh, boobies, you can go elsewhere, kids. What's like, wrong with that's you? That's what the internet's for. <laughs> Mother has it, briefly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. And uh, on that note, I think uh, we can safely say uh, Red Sparrow and Death Wish, two movies that are meh. Definitely <laughs> not uh, Oscar contenders. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Speaking of Oscars, um, <laughs> at time of recording, it's happening right now. It's in a few hours. It'll happen in a few hours. Okay, I'm, I'm not very familiar with... No, at this time, no, it's wrapping up uh, now. So I think at this point of time, what we want to do is, as we did last week, we're going to call our Best Picture winner. Now, this... Uh, episode's gonna come out after we already know all the awards. So will there be another episode where we like? We yeah, have to follow up. With we that, were yes. right or wrong. Yeah. So don't call us out for getting it wrong, okay? Not we yet. Don't know. Anyway, not, not yet. yet. Not okay, yet. but how about this? We do. Uh, how? How? Your name? Let's each name your number one contender. Like okay. you know, it's not gonna win, but you hope this wins. Yeah. So I'm gonna say get out. I want get out to win because it's been a while since a genre horror movie actually won Best Picture. What was the last genre horror movie to win? Like an M Night Shyamalan movie. I think it was either Six Sense, Six Sense, or maybe the others. I can't. It's like something that yeah, was yeah. nominated. I don't know if it won. Last time it actually won uh, for the Golden Globes. One of them. I think it won Best Comedy. What Six uh, Sense? No, no. Go get, get out. out. Get out. Which mm, is like which is a misnomer. Yeah. I mean, Total that misnomer. is like 
anger-inducing misnomer. It's got okay. one joke or two, but that's about it. It's like, yeah. you know, I mean, when you thought The Martian was bad for winning best comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wait, and it's just a strange thing, because this thing's like, um, I also want to play this game with you guys. What could have been number 10? Because there has been a history where uh, best picture category went up to 10 films. This yeah. year is 9. Mm. What would be 10 for you? Itonia. You put Itonia in? Of course. I, I... How about you? Wow. I'm, I'm gonna... guessing Blade Runner. You loved that movie. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> it was Blade a, Runner it was, a, it was a good yeah. movie, but not Oscar worthy. I can't think of any other Oscar movie except in the ones like on art, the list already. Though. Art direction and best original soundtrack, maybe, but in terms okay, so of that's those, two, those two points. So I had the opportunity of watching Mudbound. Mudbound should have been nominated. That's mm. a Netflix movie, right? Yeah. And it, I've it was, heard really good things. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Save for my review okay. coming next week. <laughs> right. If okay. we run out of things to say. Because <laughs> yes. like we've got Tomb Raider and nothing else. <laughs> well, we have Early Man as well. Oh, yes. And Early Man. Oscars, yes. Which yeah. also got nominated for Best Animation. I don't think so. No, right. it actually came out like... No, it came out, it came out now, year? so oh. it's not been nominated. So what's been nominated? Just Coco and... Just Coco. Really? For now, one no, category. Boss, Boss Baby got nominated. Fuck that. Ferdinand got nominated. Why? Yeah, and know. you know what was not nominated? Lego no. Batman. Hmm. And that was a fun film. But you know, it's better than Boss Baby. Yeah, but that's for sure. Have you seen Boss Baby? No, no. I don't wish to. I don't. That, wish to. I don't even want to see it on an airplane crashing into the ocean. Since. I I watched <laughs> it and I don't know what the fuck is wrong with that movie. <laughs> it's like if you think about it for longer than half a second, it's. Badness inducing. <laughs> but I think it's maybe the one movie that needs to make the emoji movie look like it makes sense. <laughs> there you go. But uh, hey, if you want to say best animation, that uh, Picasso movie should. Eh, no, that Van Gogh movie. The Picasso be. movie? It's a Van Gogh movie. Uh, I, I know which one you're talking about. Let me. I haven't seen it. Living Vincent. Living Vincent. So basically, the entire. Oh, film it's done in his art style. It's done yeah. in his art style and it's hand painted. Lovingly, yeah. so uh, like, that should win just on the sheer technical okay. craziness. There was also another movie called The Breadwinner. I'm not sure if you guys seen that though. No, nope. I haven't seen. So I've not heard of guys. it. So there you also go. Also in the animated feature film nominations. Oh yeah, uh, but if anything, so I mean, you're gonna go Itonia. You're gonna go yeah. Blade Runner. Well, I kind of want to pick Coco now, but I don't know. Can they put in animated films? For no, they can't. Oh, they did because ever since Beauty and the Beast, now it's best animated. <laughs> yeah, they can't put an animation in Best Picture because like yeah, totally people kind of like got upset. Like there's no actors or lighting. Yeah, the, the Academy is pretty out of touch in many yeah. regards. I would say this: my number ten, Logan. Good choice. That's, that's a good choice. Logan should have won choice. as best western or something. <laughs> you know, like, hey, you you old fucks like westerns, right? Yeah, here's a western. It's like, you remember Shane, right? Here's a new Shane. Here's a Shane, and the guy's got claws. <laughs> it's like, oh, but it's not realistic. Motherfucker, neither was Shane. <laughs> <laughs> no, they had a lovely ending. Huh. The same ending. Okay, yeah. anyway, let's not spoil Shane or the Logan movie. Yeah, let's not spoil a film from the 1950s. <laughs> or, or 2017, yeah. 16. You guys have any thoughts about the best supporting actor, actresses? You want to talk about film? that? I don't know. I mean, for me, a best supporting actress is like... We gotta give this award to somebody because she also kind of pulled her weight. Yeah, I and would, also help complement the main character. Uh, what's as well. that lady's name? Shit, uh, who played the mother in Itonia? Alison uh, Janney. Alison Janney. Yeah, she is worth her weight in Best Supporting Actress. Definitely, I would say. Um, oh, what's her name? Uh, in Shape of Water. Uh, Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer. Yeah. Over Alison Janney. Uh, yeah. Actually, no, because Octavia Spencer was just doing her shtick. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it actually made sense as a compliment to uh, I just want to suggest an alternative. Sally Hawkins' character, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. fair enough. 
How about you? The yeah. one who talks around a lot. Well, I know I haven't seen Itonia yet, but I kind of want Alison Janney because I saw the trailers. That's a very scary woman I want to deal with. Also. Oh, she is intimidating as fuck. Yeah, like, but I want to be fair, yeah, I'll go with Octavia Spencer because yeah. I've seen Shape of Water. Yeah, honestly, Alison Janney reminded me of mothers I knew growing up. Like, not my own, thank fuck. I would be a messed up human being if that was the case. I'm from Asia, I know a lot of mothers like that. Yeah. <laughs> and to see that personified in film, that's I mean, in that context, yeah, that's pretty It's nice. not the, the first time, but it's definitely it's one of the more intense uh, versions that we've seen. I mean, a tiger mom who literally stabs her daughter. <laughs> there you go. So, okay, let's not spoil Itonia for Mr. Toffee here. Then we can yeah. go to a uh, supporting actor. Um, I want to pick Sam Rockwell at the very least. Yeah, just give Sam yeah. Rockwell. Fuck it. Yeah, sure. She, she needs to win something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because and also, Willie Harrelson was on the list too. Nah, he wasn't the lead, right? Yeah, he was the supporting guy, yeah. I mean, no, he, was a, he was the main Honestly, I would say Sam Rockwell was a stronger performance. It was, it was. Because, also, you know, good on you for choosing to play such a despicable racist and yes. almost making me like you. He's an actor. Yeah. He's yeah. an actor. I mean, what are the options we have for best We've got Willem Dafoe from The Florida Project. It's alright, I've seen The Florida Project. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, I don't think he deserves to win. Yeah. Richard Jenkins from The Shape of Water. I felt he was okay in that. He's the fish, right? No, that's no, Dave no. Jones. Doug Jones. <laughs> that's Doug Jones. Uh, Richard Jenkins is the gay guy in... Uh, uh, I mean, he was sweet, but... I mean, it's, a, it's just like, he's a sweet old gay guy. Like yeah. We've seen it before. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I liked watching him, yeah, but it wasn't powerful. Really, Christopher Plummer and all the money in the world. No, <laughs> there <laughs> you go. <laughs> and of course, to the other two I mentioned. Yeah, no, I'm I'm upset that all the money in the world got any recognition whatsoever because mm. that movie was so mediocre. But then again, so shoot in to win Sam Rockwell, you think? Yeah, Sam Rockwell. I would. I would say Steve. Yeah. 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 So he, there you he go. needs his due. So best act, best supporting definitely goes to Sam Rockwell. He We're won. Call it. He won the Golden Globe right for best supporting right for this movie. I think so. I can't remember. Oh, I didn't pay attention to the Golden Globes. That's not, well, neither did I. Because, nah, you know. Me too. Like, it's just an excuse for actors to get drunk. And to uh, fillet the Hollywood foreign press. Yeah, of course. And for Ricky Gervais. Oh, yeah, for Ricky Gervais to insult people. And did make they come sure back this year? No, right? No. Oh. No. They learned the second time. <laughs> the third time. <laughs> and the fourth time. Um, what did they get? Uh, what, James Corden or something, right? Uh, yes. Think so. What a uh, what a the, vanilla uh, what choice. Oscars? Yeah. Oscars. I thought it was Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, it's Jimmy Kimmel. No, but James Corden did the Golden Globes. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. What a vanilla choice, right? <laughs> like he just Six drives times. in like they're all doing a massive carpool karaoke. It's like, cause this is one segment we haven't driven into the ground yet. <laughs> He's more annoying than Jimmy Fallon. Actually. Yeah, he is. Okay, so let's do it. Uh, best picture. Best picture. I mean, I said get out. Get out should win because I mean, not even for posterity because it's been a while. I would say three billboards. You want that to win? Yeah, well, I, uh, yeah. Compared to the rest, right? Yeah, I mean, I would like Get Out, but I think that there's more of a film in three billboards. Mm, I think it's just that whilst I really would love Get Out to win, I would rather. Ju- It'd be too much of a sympathy when you think. I think so. Yeah, I think it'd be more. I there would be too much tinge of white guilt attached. That's such a progressive win or something. Right? Yeah, I'd f- I'd feel like like even if it did deserve to win, there would be a sense of like, did it re- did they choose it because it deserved to win or because, just like Twelve Years a Slave won because like you know if you chose for you know voted against that movie, you would be branded the racist. Which is the kind of rhetoric I'm really annoyed with nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I you? would want Get Out to win, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna pick Phantom Thread. I'm 
You seen it? That. No, no, that's the thing. I'm, if you're talking predictions, you gotta predict. I, I kind of want to see it. Though. But that would Absolutely. be a, be a shame because I've heard the main thing I've heard is it's a mediocre movie with really good acting, from what I've heard. Like, I think Daniel Day Lewis was the one who sold it at least. Yeah. According to what people are saying. Daniel Day Lewis is Daniel Day Lewis. Yes. You can't shit on it, man. Uh, hard in I mean, at all. Like yeah. you know, fuck. At the end of the day, birds fly, fish swim. Daniel Day Lewis wins Academy Awards. Yeah. At the end of the day, Daniel they'll at least win one at the very least. At the end of the day, Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood is fucking spectacular. It is. It is. Yes. Him yeah. in fucking My Left Foot was fucking spectacular. I mean, shit, even in Gangs of New York, he was the best part. Right? Yes, yes. Last of the Mohicans, Lincoln. Last of the Mohicans is fine. Okay, Lincoln, Lincoln. Lincoln, I haven't seen Lincoln. That's the thing, it's one of the few Spielberg movies I kind of missed. He's the only one to get uh, Lincoln's voice right. Because he's slightly high-pitched. Yeah, something. slightly whiny and high-pitched. Oh, uh, yeah. Awesome. Which is funny, because he was built like a brick shit house as well as being <laughs> six foot five. And killed vampires, apparently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Or so pop culture has taught us. No, just some idiot director with a <laughs> dumb idea. Okay, so anything. So that's your call? Should yeah. we do best director or should we just wrap it up for today? Uh, yeah. Come on, let's just do best director. Okay. okay, best director, we will go to... I will say, okay, to tie in with Get Out, I want freaking... Uh, I want Jordan Peele to win. I want win. Jordan Peele to win. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and that's a fanboy vote. It's not like actual director vote. Like, I mean, the thing is, I haven't seen a lot of these other movies. Uh, I mean, what were the options? We have like Paul uh, we Thomas have, Edison. Uh, Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. No. Okay, we got Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. No. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. I haven't seen nah. it. And yeah, Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. I haven't seen that also. Oh, God. Uh, I the would guy for love... Three Billboards and Get Nominated. No. Wow. These are the only best directors wow. in that list. Which is bullshit. I mean... Because James Mangold for Logan should have been yeah. nominated. For best <laughs> ad- he got nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. What? That that's that's the pity nomination. That's like, oh dear germs, don't worry, here's one. <laughs> it does feel like that actually. It is that. that. Yeah. Like, let's all beat about the bush. This is just basically Academy saying, we should, resp- uh, you know, give you some kind of uh, bone. So here you go. Now fuck off. I'll be happy if uh, yeah, either Jordan Peele or Guillermo del Toro gets it. Yeah, for me, it's that'd be cool if del Toro won. I mean, to me, the travesty win would be uh, Gerwig. Yeah, because that is obviously the progressive win. Like, oh, for a, we- for a female director is one. Yeah, but like, okay, yes, she's the only female that got nominated, but it's not a, a good st- movie. <laughs> it's not a strong enough movie. It's, like, it's not even a strong enough debut. It's not even a strong enough direct. I mean, her, her, her direction is fine. It's like it's, it's workhorse level. It's like you know, yeah, you did the job, but it was entirely carried on the back of Saoirse Ronan. Mm-hmm. So uh, there you go. That's our choices for best director, best supporting actor, best and supporting hopefully actress. Hopefully, we'll get most of them right. I doubt so. I <laughs> nobody listens to the nerds. Okay. Glass half full guy here. Glass half full. No. You no, know, there was an AV Club article that came out about the ninety Oscar move. Uh, the, the the last ninety Oscars and the films that should have been nominated. Yeah. And reading the list, like seeing eight and a half, the third man, like. Yeah, the Oscar just never get this right. Yeah, especially when you remember Birth of the Nation was uh, a winner. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ooh boy. Ooh, it was that. a different time. The good old days, they used to call it. <laughs> and on that note, okay, uh, we're going to be closing this very special uh, episode 70 of The Last King Podcast on the road to Oscars 90. Yeah. <laughs> 2018. Road, for, road to Oscars 2018 Stay is our hashtag. next episode for our answers and our... And what we got wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And also reviews, I guess. Uh, yeah, okay. reviews are cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're definitely going to be talking about Tomb Raider, which drops. We're also going to be talking about. Well, it's going to drop Early, Early Man. Early Man, yes. Claymation from the, the Nick Clay- Park. From Nick Park, the guys who gave us Walton Grumman. The guy. And Chicken Run. And a bunch of others, too. And Pirates. Hey. <laughs>
Okay, so uh, this is a deputy director Shifik. This is a red eccentric Tom. This is Comrade Mr. Toffee. And this is Boris signing up. Fuck off, Boris. Boris. Okay, whenever you're ready, John. <laughs> Is he gonna do the <laughs> I'm not gonna do the accent. Man. Just do Nico cousin. <laughs> can you do that? No, you can't. Yeah, okay, I can, I can. Okay, really? here we go. This better be good. Nico cousin, what's up? How you doing, man? You That's Jersey. Like <laughs> 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 okay, I got <laughs> hey, hey, uh, That was my most horrible Russian expression, uh, just to bring uh, us all in. Okay, I'll do so, it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> Did, Did you record that? Yes. All this is being recorded. No, oh, never mind. Okay, uh, I'll bring us in. Fuck, uh, put the ice pack down. Mm. Oh, <coughs> don't be too close.